Thank you, Miss Marilyn. You just gave me the title for my message. No party preference. Ooh, no party preference. Father, I just want to thank you this morning for your word. How we honor you, how we love you. God, how I thank you for the truth of your word. Your word, your word is life-giving. It's powerful. It's life-transforming. And God, I just give you this time. I give you this pulpit. I give you this moment, God, to speak to your people. And I yield myself to you. And I pray the Holy Spirit that you would just bring forth your heart. Father, your word is like a hammer. It breaks. It destroys the, the, the bondages of the enemy, the lies and deceptions of the enemy. Your word is like a fire that empowers us. It inflames us with new passion. So, Father, let it come forth, I pray this morning, as fire and as a hammer, Father. We honor you and we praise you. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. amen. Well, good morning. Yeah, seven years ago, I was a little bride right here. (laughs) Uh, Some of you were happy about it. Some of you weren't happy about it. That's okay, though. That's okay. I I think you learned to love me, hopefully. (laughs) Uh, um, Yeah, I'm going to take that as my title, No Party Preference. That, That was just fit in perfectly. You know, in the Bible, there's a lot of comparisons Um, there's light and darkness, there's good and evil, wheat, chaff, sheep, goats, the broad path, say it with me, and the, yeah, a son or a, oh, well, close, but a son or a slave, (laughs) good fruit and lost and dead and hot and blessed and or cursed, yeah, life or Truth or, yep, fruitful or barren, a hearer or a, a doer, right? A hearer or a doer of the word. And so there, there are all these choices, and, and the, the way that we become either in the light or in the darkness, we're either good or evil, we're, you know, we receive the wheat or the chaff, or we're a sheep or a goat, you know, we can't determine it by your, you know. It's determined by your choices and your decisions. And um, we can be in darkness. We can be in in the kingdom of darkness and be a slave, you know, of, of the enemy. But we can make a choice to choose God's kingdom, God's light. And the Bible says we can come out of the darkness, right? So um, Pastor Mark and I, we're doing um, a a one word uh, faith journey. It's a, it's something that we together started. And one of the word, well, the word the Lord gave me this year was change. And, um, and so as I begin to meditate on, on that word change, God posed some questions to me. And some of it was where is God, not the Lord in my life? Where are the areas of my life that need to change that he's not the Lord of my life? And in uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Now, he's talking here to the church. He's not talking to the world. 
But the world has taken this concept, and there's a lot of uh, positive thinkers and um, people um, that have used this about changing the way you think. They know that how you think totally affects your life. And, um, and in this, God says, we are not to copy the behavior and the customs of this world, which is darkness, evil, chaff, goats, the narrow path, or the broad path, I mean, uh, being a slave, bad fruit. Okay, we're not to copy their behaviors. And the way that we transform into a new person is by changing the way you think. And your thoughts are so powerful, they affect every area of your life. And I know this by personal experience, and I'm sure you do too, where the thoughts that I, that I would meditate on, the thoughts, the things that I believed consumed my life and made the choices and decisions for me. Sometimes I had to make big decisions. And sometimes I was afraid to make decisions, and so I would be paralyzed to even make a decision or a choice. Because I just, I just didn't have the right information to know how to make the correct choice. But we are not left without hope this morning. God says that, he, that we can change into a new person by changing the way we think. I have a choice. God has given me the freedom of a free choice. And I have to make a choice. I have to make a decision in my life. And... Um, in your life, you know, a lot of times, especially in the new years, we want change to happen in our life. We want to change our weight. We want to change. We want to exercise more. We want to change the way we eat. We want change in our marriage. We want all these different changes. But change can only happen when we have a radically different way of thinking. It begins with a thought. Exercise begins with the thought of, you know what? I've got to get up and do something. I've got to exercise. I've got to, I got to go pick up them dumbbells. You know, I did that recently and was doing my squats. And I thought, hey, this is no problem. These squats are super easy until next morning when I was like, (laughs) I was thinking twice about doing those squats, you know. But everything has to have a radical change in our thought process in order for us to change. We want the, our, our children to change. We want our marriage to change. We want our jobs to change. We want whatever it is that you want change. It has to begin in you first. You can't change anybody else, but change can begins in you. And a lot of times when we change the way we think, our perception of our, uh, our husbands, our wives, our children radically changes. We begin to see them in a whole different light. I choose by choice and by decision to hate or to forgive. I choose, um, you know, a lot of times, you know, people are in, in marriages that are very hard and very difficult. And, um, you know, maybe there's abuse that's happening. And if, you, and if you've never been in that type of a marriage, I'm so happy you never were. But a lot of people get mad at those women and, and those think, why, did you, why didn't you just leave? Why didn't you just walk out? Because your mind has been so changed, you're defeated. You're broken down. And until you change in your mind and know who you are and know that, hey, this isn't, this isn't right, then you'll have the courage to change. You'll have the courage to make a change. And whatever it is in your life, you know, if it's a job change, you know, until I change my thought process of, of what, number one, of who I, who I think I am, 
I can do this. I can change. I can be better. I can learn. Then we'll never have the courage to step out and try something new. But it all has to start with our mind. And that is the battlefield, as we've heard so many years. The battlefield is where the uh, the enemy is in our mind. You have to change fear-based thinking. You have to change wrong thinking, small thinking, and human reasoning. Because God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. My, my thoughts and my, my ways are higher than yours. There is no comparison. And thank God that's your God this morning. He's not limited to your thoughts and your reasonings. He's not limited to your A, B, and C. God is DFGH. We know all the rest of the alphabet. You know, <laughs> He's not limited. To, to your uh, education. He's not limited to your age. He's not limited to this mind because he's greater, he's more powerful. And I'm telling you, that gives you the upper hand in your decisions. But we have to see change in our lives because if you don't change, you remain stagnant, then you will cease to grow in your walk with God. And change requires courage. Change is like I said, and I, when I prayed, you know, it says, let the meditation of my heart and the words of my mouth be acceptable in your sight. And it says, God, show me if there's anything in me that offends you. Have you ever had the courage to pray that God show me if there's anything in me that offends you? I challenge you to ask God, is there anything in my life that's offending you that I need to change that you are not the Lord of that area in my life? And there can be so many of those areas in all of us. But how am I going to face that change? I have to start, first of all, with a thought with my mind. And that comes by with the word of God. My mind is renewed with, with the word of God and what the word of God speaks to me. It doesn't mean I just go quoting a scripture. It's what that scripture says to me, that truth, that life, that I take it and I change the lies of the enemy yes. for the truth of God's word. Yes. Amen. 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 In the Bible, there were many that were faced with huge decisions. Would Eve believe God or the serpent? Amen. Would Noah make an ark? Would Abraham leave his home? Would Joseph sleep with Potiphar's wife? Would Joseph seek revenge on his brothers? Would David cower before a giant? Would Daniel still pray? Would Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego bow in worship to a pagan idol? Would Queen Esther remain silent and hidden? Would King Jehoshaphat surrender to a vast army that surrounded him? You see, these are life-defining moments. This is where they had to make a choice. And they had to make a choice based on what they thought and what they believed. And, you know, thank God these examples, and there were bad examples except for Eve. Eve did not believe God. She believed the serpent, right? And we still saw the, the makes of that. But Noah had to make a decision. When he's standing and hearing God say, build an ark, he had to make a decision. Do I believe God or am I going to be afraid of what the world's going to think of me? They're going to laugh at me. They're going to mock me. Abraham, it says he left his home not knowing where he was going. Am I going to have the courage when God asks him to step out? Do I have to have all my eggs in a row, my ducks in a row? Or am I able to trust God that he's going to lead me step by step by step? You know, um, 
David cowering before a giant. Am I going to trust that no matter what I face, that God's going to fight for me because I know he's fought for me in the past? These were decisions, life radical decisions that not only affected them, but all of those around us. You and I are living in a generation where you're going to have to make a decision, life-changing decisions, not only for yourself, but for your family. And I believe in these last days, there is going to be a line drawn in the sand that those who stand for Christ and those who do not you cannot be a no party preference you cannot stand between this and that you have got to make a choice and um, you know look with me let's, let's look at an example in the word of God in 1st Kings chapter 18 turn there with me And this morning, I, 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 you know, I've prayed about this this morning, you know, what is your heart behind this? And, 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 the, and the heart behind this with God is God wants you to make it. But you won't make it in these last days if you are not mentally and spiritually prepared. And what I mean by mentally is you have already made the decision that I'm going to choose God regardless. It's God or nothing. I stand for Jesus. I stand for righteousness. I'm not going to hobble between two, two choices. I, my mind is set. I'm going to be called old-fashioned. My mind is set on God. Amen? And you will have to make these decisions. I believe in the days that we see as, as the times of, of the coming of Jesus Christ comes closer, that you will have to make the decision, will I believe God or... Will I believe God? Will I believe his word? Or what the news is telling me? What the government's telling me? What my neighbor's telling me? Whatever it is. Am I going to believe God or? And will I obey God in spite of? Will I be obedient to God even though it may make me look like an idiot and a fool? Will I make that decision now to stand for God and to be obedient when the people begin to mock like they did Noah? When, they, when he's building this ark, you know they came out and mocked him and ridiculed him. Will I have already made this decision? Because I believe Noah made that decision. He was going to obey God. It says he did everything God told him to do. He had made the decision regardless of. And you have got to make a decision for Christ now. Because as the times grow darker, as the, as the separation of the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light become more apparent, you will have to make a choice. All of you living in the shaded area, will not, it won't exist anymore. Because the words of your mouth and your actions and your declarations are going to reveal which side you are on. Let's talk about a vote for a moment. Let's get on that bandwagon. When you vote, Pastor Mark and I aren't going to see what you voted. None of us in this church are going to see you voted, but God's going to see who you voted for. And I say that because strongly this morning, because you can't be, you know, I'm sorry, you, you, you have to stand for God and for God's word and God's values. You stand in the kingdom of God, the kingdom of righteousness, or you take a party stand that stands for death, that stands for perversity, that stands against everything against the kingdom of God. 
You are making a choice in that vote and you cannot be, what was the name of my title again? A party, no party preference. You know, and there's also what's called, there's a, there's the, what is it? The indifferent, the, the, the ones that haven't, they, they haven't made it. The non-decision makers or undecided. It, wait, undecided, undecided. Someone just said it's the, there's this huge group of undecided people. They're undecided. They're not sure. They don't really want to take a party preference. Come on. We have a lot of Christians, people that way to, or not Christians, but we have people in the world. They don't really want to take a stand for God or the, you know, eh, I'm undecided. I'm not really sure. You, I'm telling you, you cannot be undecided in life. How successful will you get in business if you have an undecisive personality? Come on, you got to make some choices and you got to have some backbone and you got to be bold and you got to be brave. You got to make a stand. And I'm telling you, church, I pray to God, not one of Harvest Bible Church's people, members, are undecided or no party preferenced. I pray that you will take a stand for righteousness. There is no choice. You know, I, 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 um, I looked this up this morning about, let's talk about abortion for a second. And this is kind of a little side sidetrack. But did you know, and I'm sure you knew this, but you tell me the logic in this, that you can be charged for killing an unborn child in the United States. Um, according to the Unborn Victims Violence Act, if a perpetrator commits the, um, a, pre- a predicate offense with the intent to kill the unborn child, the punishment for that offense is the same as the punishment provided for federal law or under federal law for intentionally killing or attempting to kill a human being. Okay, there's those words. You're going to kill a human being. Same, you're killing a human But then we turn the page. Each year, nearly 70 million women have unwanted pregnancies. The impact of these pregnancies will vary immensely depending on such factors as a woman's health, family, relationships, economic resources, and the availability of Medicare, medical care. These and other factors will influence her decision to carry a pregnancy to term or to seek an abortion. Given the complexity of the decision, the only person equipped to make it is the pregnant woman herself. There were some decisions that could have been made probably before this decision. Right? Let's just kind of put it out there. I'm sorry. There's some decisions that can be made. There are other decisions that can be made. 46 million women have an abortion. And it's based on the woman's decision. You see, her decision, a woman's decision, breaks this first law. It changes it. If she decides, I don't want this child, then you're not committing murder. If she decides, no, I want this child, now you've committed murder. There, it's based on what she decides. I'm telling you, we, we have got to help women choose uh, to make a decision that is based not... And, and this, this is what frustrates me even more is... You know, I, and I know women, there's, there's women that have been raped and there's, you know, uh, horrible things that happen. And, and they like to bring it to a woman's health, family relationships, economic resources, and medical care. I, I would imagine that's not a very big reason why women are getting abortion. I think a lot of reasons they want to hide that they're pregnant. They don't want to be pregnant. They don't want a child. They don't want the responsibility. I'm not throwing them all in the same basket. But I'm talking about decisions. And, and we as Christians, we, 
You know, we choose life. Do we make mistakes? Is there someone in this room that maybe had an abortion and I, you think I'm up here beating you? Absolutely not. Sometimes we make decisions with the, with the knowledge that we have at the moment. And praise God that there is forgiveness. But whatever decision we make, whatever choices we make, we are responsible for that decision. And my life is directed and influenced by that decision. And so I would hope to God that you and I would seek the counsel of God Almighty before we make any radical decisions, right? And, and that we would always line it up to the morality and the, and the issues of what God says in his word. You can't be on this party and that party. You can't really be on this party that chooses death, that chooses perversion, and call yourself a Christian. Can I say that to you this morning? Yes, I can. Yes, I will. I'm sorry, Pastor Mike, Mark, get the, the hook and pull me off. But I'm telling you, it's getting that radicals black and white. It's not a hard decision to vote, people. It's not. You look at, do I look at the candidates? No, if you look at the candidates, you're going to see faulty men. You're going to see people that have problems and issues. I'm not voting for the men. I have to vote for the policies. I have to vote what they're standing for. I have to vote what laws they're going to bring in. I have to vote what kind of judges they're going to bring in. I have to think about the long-term effect. I don't go by what their personality is or if I like them or think they're handsome or cute. That has no effect. It's what will they stand for? Will they take a stand? Will they stand for godliness? Will they, are they a Christian? Maybe not. Maybe they are. I don't know. That doesn't matter to me. I'm going back to, will, are they making a stand for what God says is supposed to be stood for? Are they choosing a side? We have to choose a side. It's not difficult. This election's not difficult. It really isn't. Choose, choose for God. <laughs> I'll leave it off that. Okay. We're, we're going to move on now. You move that over here. <laughs> In 1 Corinthians chapter 18, let's read uh, starting um, with verse 16. Did I say 1 Kings? Oh, yeah. What did I just tell you? Oh, yeah. No, no. 1 Kings. You're right. I don't even know where that's. That's not even in my notes. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 18. Oh my gosh, 18 and 16. We're going to get it here. All right, 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 16. So Obadiah went to tell Ahab that Elijah had come, and Ahab went out to meet Elijah. When Ahab saw him, he exclaimed, So is it really you, you troublemaker of Israel? Wow. Let's talk about that. He's calling Elijah a prophet of God who speaks for God, who stands for righteousness, who's declaring that people should stand for God. And the king is calling him the troublemaker of Israel. And Elijah says in verse 18, I have made no trouble for Israel, but you and your family are the troublemakers. For you have refused to obey the commands of the Lord and have worshipped the images of Baal instead. This is, again, the line is being drawn. They're going to call you a troublemaker because you're taking a stand for God. You're going to be called the bad guy. You're the one that's going to be, oh, you're the one that's messing up the country. 
But look at what he says. But now summon all of Israel to join me at Mount Carmel, along with 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah, who are supported by Jezebel, which is Ahab's wife. So Ahab summoned all the people of Israel and the prophets to Mount Carmel. Then Elijah stood in front of them and he said, and this is what God is saying. How much, will you, how much longer will you waver, hobbling between two opinions? If the Lord is God, then follow him. But if Baal is God, then follow him. But the people were completely silent. They, weren't, they knew. These children of Israel knew. They knew who their prophets were. They knew they had a covenant uh, with God, with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And yet here they are being pulled in by their government, by their rulers, King Ahab and Jezebel, evil, wicked rulers over over Israel, who is now influencing them to be Baal worshipers, to deny God. And, and Elijah comes up and says, no, Israel, he's not even talking to the king and the queen. He's talking to the people. You have to choose Amen. between two opinions. Yes. Either God is God or Baal is God, but you can't hobble between these two decisions. Either choose God or choose Baal. And that's what I believe where we are getting into this day. Then Elijah said to them, I am the only prophet of the Lord who is left, but Baal has 450 prophets. Now bring two bulls. The prophets of Baal may choose whichever one they wish and cut them into pieces and lay it on the wood of their altar, but without setting fire to it. I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood of the altar, but will not set fire to it. Then you call upon the name of... Um, I will call upon the name of the Lord and the God who answers by setting fire to the wood is the true God. And all the people are saying, well, that sounds cool. That's they agreed. Okay, cool. (laughs) Then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, you go first for there are many of you. So choose one of the bulls and prepare it and call on the name of your God, but do not set fire to the wood. So they prepared one of the bulls and they placed it on the altar and then they called on the name of Baal from morning until noontime, shouting, Oh, Baal, answer us. But there was no reply of any kind. And so they danced and they hobbled around the altar that they made. Well, about noontime, Elijah began mocking them. You'll have to shout louder, he scoffed, for surely he is God. Perhaps he's daydreaming or he's relieving himself or, or maybe he's away on a trip or he's asleep or he needs to be awakened. Come on, it's time for you and I to begin to mock the world and their foolishness. I don't mean to be mean. I don't mean we go out and we, we, you know, we're bad-mouthing them, but it's time for us to call you know, things black and white. It's time for us to have a voice. So they shouted even louder following their normal custom. And they begin to cut themselves with knives and swords until the blood gushed out. Here now they're offering themselves as a sacrifice. And they they raved all afternoon until the time of the evening sacrifice. But still there was no sound, no reply and no response. Because Baal is no God. I'm adding that part in. (laughs) But then Elijah called to the people, now come over here. And they all crowded around him. And notice what it says. As he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been torn down. He took 12 stones, one to represent each of the tribes of Israel. And he used the stones to rebuild the altar in the name of the Lord. 
I'm telling you, the first thing that you and I need to do is to repair the altar of the Lord. And that begins in your personal life. That begins with your children in your home. And what does that mean? It means to put God first. That place of sacrifice, that place of honor and worship has got to be number one. That's that first choice. That's the first decision you've got to make, that I'm going to repair the altar of the Lord in my life. I'm going to make him first. I'm going to make him first in my home. He says that he dug a trench around the altar large enough to hold about three gallons. And he piled wood on the altar, cut the bull into pieces, and he laid the pieces on the wood. And then he said, fill four large jars with water and pour the water over the offering and the wood. You know what's interesting about this? Is it's a drought. That means water was very sacred. And here Elijah is saying, pour water on the sacrifice. In verse 34, after they had done this, he said, do the same thing again. Pour more water. And when they finished, he said, now do it a third time. So as he did this, and the water ran around the altar, and it even filled the trench. I love that. He's offering to God the very thing that they needed. They needed rain. They needed, there was a drought in the land. They needed rain, and he's offering water to the Lord. He's making a great sacrifice. And it says that at the usual time of the offering for the evening sacrifice, which was established by the law of Moses, now Elijah the prophet walked up to the altar and he prayed, O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, prove today that you are the God in Israel and I am your servant and prove that I have done all this at your command. O Lord, and answer me and answer me so these people will know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have brought them back to yourself. Immediately, the fire of the Lord flashed down from heaven and it burned up the young bull, the wood, the stones, and the dust. (laughs) Not just the sacrifice, but the wood, the stones, and the dust. It even licked up all the water in the trench and when all the people saw it, they fell down on their face on the ground and they cried, the Lord, he is God. Yes, the Lord, he is God. We need some Elijahs. We need those who are bold to take us to to go into this world and say, you have to, to make a choice. Either God is God, either Jesus is Lord, or what the world says is right. We have to be bold. You and I have got to be walking in the spirit and the power of Elijah. That we're telling that you can't be altering between two decisions, two opinions. You cannot be playing both fields. You cannot be, you know, going this way. You can't be, what is the name of it again? A no party preference. <laughs> I am going to choose God. And, and look over now with me in Deuteronomy chapter 30, what God says about, about choosing him in Deuteronomy chapter 30. He's speaking to the children of Israel through Moses, his servant. Verse 11, chapter 30, Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 11. Moses said, this command I'm giving you today, it's not too difficult for you and it's not beyond your reach. That's what I'm saying to you this morning. Doing the right thing, following God, it's not a difficult thing. It's not beyond your reach. It's not kept in heaven so distant that you may ask, who will go up to heaven and bring it down so we can hear it and obey it? 
It is not kept beyond the sea so far away that you may ask, who will cross the sea to bring it to us so we can hear it and obey it? No, the message is very close at hand. It is on your lips and in your heart so that you can obey it. You know in your hearts when you're doing right and when you're doing wrong. We talked about this yesterday about, you know, it's not right for a Christian to use profanity. It's not, it's not right. It, it does not represent, you know, the kingdom of light. It doesn't represent his heart. It's from the pit of hell because it's degrading. It's perverted. It's mean. Is that the nature of your God? And so we were talking about that, that, you know, a lot of Christians, and there's even some ministers that love to use profanity when they preach. And we're like, how can they do that? Because you still know in your heart, this isn't right. And when you hear it, it pierces you. It affects you. So he's saying this, that the message is close to your hand. It's in your lips and it's, it's in your heart so you can obey it. God has put conviction in your heart to know to do right and wrong. He says, now listen today, I'm giving you a choice. And here's those, here's those, those differences I was talking about. He says, I'm giving you a choice between life and death, between prosperity and disaster, for the command I give you this day is to love the Lord your God and keep his commands, his degrees and regulations by walking in his ways. If you do this, you will live and multiply and the Lord your God will bless you and the land you are about to enter and occupy. But if your heart turns away and you refuse to listen and if you're drawn away to serve and worship other gods, then I warn you now that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live a long, good life in the land that you are crossing in Jordan to occupy. But he says, today, I've given you a choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice that you make. All of heaven is watching the choice that you make. He says, oh, that you would choose life so that your descendants might live. You can make this choice. How? By loving the Lord your God, by obeying him, committing yourself firmly to him, for this is the key to your life, which can also read that he is the key to your life. And if you love and obey the Lord, you will live long in the land the Lord God swore to give you, your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You see, it's really not, it's really not difficult to choose between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of, of darkness. The Satan's kingdom. This kingdom, I've been in this kingdom, the kingdom of darkness. How many have been in the kingdom of darkness? There's depression. There's fear. There's sorrow. There's pain. There's slavery. There's hatred. There's all kinds of ugly here. And it makes you feel horrible. It beats you down. You're depressed. You have no strength, no energy. But you come over to the other choice. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of light has peace, has joy, has healing, has provision, has blessing, has the love of the father, has his, all his provision. You have, you, you're not in depression. You, you can make, you know, you live a good life. It's not that difficult. Why are you in the valley of decision? Why are you here? I don't know which I'm going to serve. I, I don't know. It's not that difficult. It's not that difficult to choose to live good for God or evil for the enemy. I mean, God's saying, this is, this is an easy decision. It's an easy decision. 
It's an easy decision because you know, over here, I'm loved. I'm wanted. I have purpose over here. I am hated. I am despised and I'm worthless. Is that a big decision? Which kingdom I want to live in? It's not a big choice. But for some reason, for whatever reason, and even in the house of God, we sometimes have a no party preference. Sometimes we're still choosing to live in the in-between. We don't really want to look like a Jesus freak. I don't want to really look that radical. You know, I, I, I don't want people to know how I vote. I don't want people to know that I stand for life. I'm not putting that on my, my bumper sticker on my car. I'm not going to wear that shirt around. I can't let people know what I think about, you know, righteousness. Well, then you know what? You're over here. You're over here. You, you, you can't, you, you, you're making a choice to for God or for the enemy. And I'm telling you in these last days, I'm not telling you we all should go out and have t-shirts made, you know, but we should live as a Christian. People should see your lifestyle and know that you're a Christ follower by the way you talk, by the things you talk about, by the, by the places that you go, by, by uh, the way that you dress, by the words that you speak. All of this, all of this shows which side that I'm living for. And in the days of Jesus, um, it, was, it was no different. Look with me over in John chapter 6. When Jesus himself walked upon this earth, he didn't have 100% following him either in his physical life. And I, I've asked that before. I thought, God, you know, in, in John chapter 1, it says he came into his own and his own knew him not. And he says, but as too many as did receive him, he gave the right to become the sons of God. That means that some didn't receive him. I'm thinking, how would you not want to receive Jesus? I, it's a no-brainer for me. It's a no-brainer. I mean, how can you reject this God of love, this God of purpose, this God that gives purpose to my life? But here Jesus was walking on this earth. And in John chapter 6, look at verse 60. It said, many of his disciples, now to be a disciple, that means you're a disciplined one. That means you have a master, you're following him. So they're saying that Jesus was their master. He, they're, his, they're to his disciples. But many of his disciples said, this is very hard to understand. They're talking to Jesus. How can anyone accept it? And Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining. And so he said to them, does this offend you? And I'm telling you, Ladies and gentlemen, I hear the voice of God just speaking to that, to our hearts this morning. What he's asking for you to stand for, you may think, wait, that's too difficult. That's hard to stand for. That's hard. And God says, does this offend you? Does it offend you to stand for life? Does it offend you to stand for righteousness? He says, then what will you think if you see the son of man ascend to heaven again? The spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words that I have spoken to you, they're spirit and life. But some of you do not believe in me. And that was the key. That's the key. That's the key. The key is do you believe in Jesus? 
Have you, have you made that decision? Have you settled it in your heart? Have you settled it in your mind that I believe who Jesus is? I believe what he has said. I believe that he will do what he says he will do. I believe that Jesus is the son of God. I believe that he's coming back again. I believe that there is a judgment day. And I believe that my name has been written in the Lamb's book of life. And I believe that I will not have to stand before the judgment of God. But I have been covered in the blood of Jesus. I believe in that cross. I believe in that blood. I believe in his provision. I believe in his salvation. I believe in the way that he made through the, through the doorway to go into heaven that I might come before God. I believe in this Jesus. I will stand for him. I will trust him. I will raise my hand to the world and say, yes, I believe. But when you don't really believe what Jesus stands for, then you won't stand for what Jesus stands for. Right? Common sense. For Jesus knew from the beginning, which ones didn't believe And he knew which ones or who would betray him. And then he said, that is why I said to the people, I said that people can't come to me unless the father gives them to me. And then this point, this is probably one of the saddest scriptures in the the Bible, I think. It says, at this point, many of his disciples turned away and they deserted him. We are seeing this happen more and more and more. We see people who even are pastors and in ministry that are, you know, they're not really standing for God. They're standing maybe for beliefs or they're standing for, you know, a church, but they haven't really, they're not really standing for God. And so when, when we, as pastors, we have to take a stand for the hard things. We have to tell you the truth. What the Bible says about homosexuality, what the Bible says about, you know, uh, fornication, adultery. You may not like what we tell you, but we're not giving you our opinion. We're giving you what the word of God says, and you have to make the decision. That's what Pastor Mark says all the time. I'm going to preach. What what do you say, baby? I'm going to preach what I know know and that you do your own thinking. But choose wisely. But I love this. At this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. And I believe that there's that separation, that sheep and the goats, right? The light and the dark, the good and the evil. We're going to see this more and more and more and more. Don't be shocked by what you see in these coming days when you really begin to see the division of light and dark, good and evil. Because it's going to become aware. There's going to be people that make decisions to desert Jesus and walk away. And the question is, are you, are you a bigger believer in the person who's walking away for Jesus and so it, question, it shakes your faith? Or are you a bigger believer in Jesus who they're walking away from? I, I had a, a, close, a very close friend of mine, and she was a powerful evangelist, powerful woman of God. And she made a choice to walk away from Jesus and to become a... a a full-blown Jewish rabbi and renounce Jesus and everything that she preached broke my heart. And it affected not a small group, a large group of people. But my faith and my, my belief system was not in her. So when she walked away, 
I remained standing. But those who had faith in her, they walked away and got confused. You see, you've got to, again, this is the time for you to make a choice, to make a decision, to settle it in in your heart right now. Settle it in your mind right now. Does it mean you'll walk it perfectly? No. Does it mean you're still going to make stupid choices and decisions? Yes. The Bible says a righteous fall, but they get back up. I'm going to do things that, you know, that I'm going to say that there is a There's times in our lives that we will fall flat on our face. And you will, you will, you will do stupid things. I, you know, but the mercy and the grace of God, you see, if you're over here in this kingdom of darkness, that's where he's going to say, Oh, you're a loser. Look at you. God doesn't want you. You're a failure. You're not a Christian. You're look, you don't love God, but over here, God says, I forgive you. I love you. Come on, let's try it again. We can do this together. And so they walked away. So again, I'm not going to put my faith in people. I'm going to put my faith in Jesus Christ. If Pastor Mark and I, if we get up and we start preaching that Baal is God, I hope to God and shout every one of you walk out of this building. I mean it. If we're not preaching the truth of God's word, then, I mean, you, you got you to gotta find yourself, you know, in a, thank God for our church. Thank God for your pastor. I love him so much, very intimately. <laughs> thank God for his stand. I'm telling you what you see here. He's a man of God at home and here. He's not afraid to take a stand for God. He will be that shepherd that will protect you, that will stand for you and guard you. And so will I to the best of my ability. He may take the bullet. I may throw something and try to catch the bullet, but I love you. Let me go on and finish with this. It says, then Simon Peter, or Jesus turns to, his, to the 12 and he says, are you going to go? Are you also going to leave? Can you hear that? Can you hear Jesus? Are you also going to leave? Wow. And Peter replies, Lord, to whom would we go? For you have the words that give eternal life. And we believe and we know that you are the Holy One of God You see, there's that determination. There's that change in the thought. There's that I've already made that decision. No, I know and I believe that you are the son of God. Praise God for their their stand. Uh, Let me read one last passage before we go. Turn with me to um, Matthew chapter 27. And we're going to close with this. I'm going to start reading verse 11, Matthew 27, verse 11. Now, Jesus was standing before Pilate, the Roman governor, and he said, Are you the king of the Jews? The governor asked him. And Jesus replied, You have said it. But when the leading priests and the elders made their accusations against him, Jesus remained silent. Don't you hear all these charges that they're bringing against you? Pilate demanded. But Jesus made no response to any of the charges, much to the governor's surprise. 
Now it was the governor's custom each year during the Passover celebration to release one prisoner to the crowd, anyone they wanted. And this year, there was a notorious prisoner, a man named Barabbas. And as the crowds gathered before Pilate's house that morning, he asked them, which one do you want me to release to you? Barabbas or Jesus, who is your Messiah? For he knew very well that the religious leaders had arrested Jesus out of envy. Verse 19, just then as Pilate was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent him a message. Leave that innocent man alone. I suffered through a night, terrible nightmares about him last night. But meanwhile, the leading priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas to be released and for Jesus to be put to death. And so the governor asked again, which of these two? Do you want me to release to you? And the crowd shouted back, Barabbas, Barabbas. Can you just imagine it? And Pilate responded, but then what do you want me to do with this Jesus who was called the Messiah? And they shouted back, crucify him. And Pilate said, why? What crime has he committed? And Pilate saw that he wasn't getting anywhere and that the riot was de- a riot was developing. So he sent a bowl of water, washed his hands before the crowd and said, I'm innocent of this man's blood. The responsibility is yours. This was your decision. And all the people yelled back, we take responsibility for his death. And we are children. So Pilate released Barabbas to them. He ordered Jesus flogged and a lead-tepped whip, then turned him over to the Roman soldiers to be crucified. What do you want me to do with this man, Jesus? He's a good man. He's your Messiah. He's your king. What do you want me to do with this man, Jesus? And that is, I believe, where you and I are standing today. What are we going to do with this man, Jesus? Are we going to be persuaded with the crowd to follow the crowd? You know, or are we going to take a stand and, and stand? I believe in Jesus. He is my God. He is my Savior. The greatest decision you make will be, what will I choose to do with Jesus? It's not going to be the sins that you committed. It's what did you choose to do with Jesus? Because if you chose Jesus, he says he forgives you of your sins. So this morning, I, I ask you to take a side, to choose God. Don't play, don't play both sides. It's not, it's not going to work for you. Because it's going to get more clear and more evidence, and you're going to have to make a decision. In these last days, that line's be drawing, and, and I'm telling you, let's make that choice. Let's make that decision now that, God, I believe in you. I choose the kingdom of light. I choose what your word says. I choose to let this word govern my life. Amen? Amen. Father, we just thank you this morning. I pray that there would be an anointing upon all. Matter of fact, everybody stand who wants the spirit of Elijah, that, right? That anointing, that boldness. Let's stand. Lord, we ask you this morning, we ask you that you would pour upon us this morning an anointing like Elijah. We are bold. We are bold in our generation. We are not going to be standing undecided. But God, we choose. We want to be those that even would speak. And be bold enough to to declare to our home, to our children, to our families. God, to speak the truth of Jesus Christ. God, don't let us hide in silence. Don't let us be fearful. Don't let us be afraid to offend. Because Jesus, you said, does this offend you? That means what you stand for, what you speak is going to be offensive. 
We can hurt people's feelings, and it's okay if it's going to keep them from making hell as their home. Give us wisdom to speak your truth. Let it be operating in love, yes, but God, let us be bold, I pray this morning. God, don't let us be, be people with, who are undecided and undecisive, but let us be people who are bold to take a stand for Jesus, who will proudly declare him, who will proudly announce him, who will proudly say, I believe in Jesus and I trust in his word no matter what. We'll be like Daniel. We'll continue to pray. We'll be like Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. We will not bow and worship an idol. Father, I thank you for that in the powerful name of Jesus. And I just ask if there's anyone in this room that if, you know, if you haven't made that decision, this is the greatest decision of your life to choose life. God says, choose life or death. Choose blessings or cursings, and that's what it is. Choose Jesus this morning. That's your choice. Choose Jesus this morning. Because choosing Jesus means that I have a life of blessing. I have someone to help me. I have someone to walk with me. I have a Father who loves me. And if you had not made that greatest decision of your life this morning, I would ask you to come forward. And if I could get my prayer team to come forward, I would ask you to come forward and and make that choice. Every Christian, every Bible, how many have ever made that decision to follow Jesus? Raise your hand. We made a decision to follow Jesus. And I'm asking you this morning, and and it really is the voice of God asking you this morning, choose God, choose life, choose blessing. And if you want to make Jesus the the Lord and the Savior of your life, then I ask you to come forward this morning and, and let one of our prayer members pray with you. They will lead you in a salvation prayer. They will lead you to Christ. They will lead you to life this morning. And this morning, I want to say, too, that if you, maybe you're a Christian and you, maybe you've been challenged in your heart. Maybe you're saying, God, is there anything that's offending you in me? Is there anything that you're not Lord, of, Lord in my life? And if you would just like someone to agree with you in prayer, then I ask you to come forward. Make a recommitment to him this morning. Maybe you've been indecisive. Maybe, maybe you've been a no party. What is it again? I forget the name constantly. Yeah, that's it. No party preference. And this morning you want to say, yes, I'm a Jesus believer. (laughs) Then maybe you just want to come up in agreement and say that. Start fresh this morning. Start over this morning. Choose to change by changing the way you think. I'm going to choose to follow Christ. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Um, All right. What am I doing? Oh, Carol. Okay, yes. Go ahead, Miss Carol. Hallelujah. You've been challenged to stand today, and you've been challenged to stand for me. But know this, that you're not challenged to stand alone, because I am with you. You're not challenged to be there in your own strength. You're to be there in my strength, and my strength will uphold you, says the Lord. 
And as you begin to acknowledge and you begin to acknowledge that you know me, I'll begin to acknowledge that I know you. And I'll begin to show myself mighty on your behalf. And things in which you've desired and things in which you thought couldn't come will begin to open up. And there will be doors that will open. There will be doors that will close. But the doors that I open, no man can close. And as you begin to walk and as you begin to stand step by step, each step will be a miracle. Each step will be a step closer to me. Each step will be a step closer to the plan and the purpose that I have for you. So don't be afraid. Don't draw back because the greater one lives on the inside of you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. God is good. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Well, we love you guys so much. Love all of you there that are there. Hey, and uh, praise the Lord. You know, the first 15, 20 minutes of Pastor Pam's message was not live. We were shut down, but it got to go up. But actually, when it goes back up on there, all of it will be back on the website and you'll be able to see it on YouTube in, in its fullness. But all of you that were watching live and all of you that stuck around for the first 15, 20 minutes, thank you. Hallelujah. He hate. Praise God. If you need any prayer, our prayer team is ever for anything you need. God bless all of you. You're dismissed. I love you. God loves you. Be blessed. You're